0: at the Apostles, and there are twelve, and we covered two in one night, James and John together, the two brothers, and we've gone through several, we have four left, and then after tonight there will be three left, and there are three Sunday nights left in the month, but there are special things going on the next three Sunday nights, and so what I'm going to do after tonight is I'm going to finish the last three, Thomas and Simon the Zealot. And uh, Nathaniel or Bartholomew, (coughs) I'm going to finish them on the Wednesday nights, the uh, 13th, the 20th, and the 27th. And so that's how we'll finish out the apostles and the study of the 12. So this Wednesday will be another one. And then the following Wednesday, the 20th will be another one. And then the 27th will be the last one. So this will be the last Sunday night that we look at them, and we'll shift it to Wednesdays as we finish out. The last three, but tonight, tonight I want to look at the greatest, the greatest of the apostles. We've gone through Peter and Andrew and James and John and uh, Philip and Matthew, and uh, we've seen several of of the great, more famous apostles. But tonight I want to look at uh, the greatest one. And so here we are in Matthew chapter ten. And verse 1 it says, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, or Nathaniel, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, or Thaddeus, or Judas not Iscariot who surnamed Thaddeus Simon the Canaanite or the zealot and Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him these twelve Jesus sent forth now we can look at some other passages as we put together this of the last uh, this this last one this le- uh, the uh, the the latest one and that goes to mark chapter number three mark chapter number three and mark chapter three and verse number 14 mark 3. And verse 14. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. And Simon he surnamed Peter. and James the son of Zebedee and John the brother of James he surnamed Bonigerius which is the sons of thunder and Andrew which would have been Simon Peter's brother <coughs> and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot So we see the list again, and uh, we go up then to chapter 15. Chapter 15. In chapter 15, we see one of the men's names has a different tag on the end of it. Matthew chapter 15. And uh, we'll begin in verse 39. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out, it is finished, and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. Verse 40. Of Mark fifteen, there were also women looking on, afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James the Less, and of Joseph and of Salome, who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him. Many other women which came up with him unto Jerusalem. Now when the even was come, because it was the preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate. And Craved the body of Jesus, and Pilate marvelled if he were already dead, and calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead, and when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph, and he brought fine linen and took him down, and wrapped him in this linen, and laid him in a sepulchre which was hewn out of a rock, and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulchre, and Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, beheld where he was laid. and when the Sabbath was past, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices and they that they might come and anoint him <clears throat> and so we see again that apostles mentioned because of his mother his mother Mary and so then we go to Luke Luke chapter number six Luke chapter number six and we start in verse number 12 Luke 6 came to pass verse 12 in those days that he went out into a mountain and prayed to pray and continued all night in prayer to God and When it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them, of the disciples, he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, called Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which also was the traitor. And then in Acts chapter number one, we see it one more time. And there's really only about eight mentions of this apostle in the whole Bible. And of the eight mentions of this apostle in the Bible, there is not one time that he actually speaks. We don't even get to read one word that he said. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 13. And when they were coming, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James the son of Alphaeus. And Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So tonight, what I want to do is I want to look at James, the son of Alphaeus, or if you saw in Mark chapter fifteen, verse forty, James the less, James the less. Why is he called James the less? Well, we'll talk about that. He's known as the son of Alphaeus. He's the least known of all the apostles. He is probably the brother of Judas, not Iscariot, who we talked about last week. Judas, not Iscariot, seems to be the brother of James because it says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 13, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. And that wouldn't be James and John, but a a different James, James the less. I don't know what it would be like to be James the Less, James the brother of Judas, not Iscariot. But that's who he seems, to be. he seems to be. He seems to have a brother. And some are wondering if maybe he's actually brother to Matthew instead of James. Or maybe he was brother to Matthew and James. Not sure about that, but I'll show you why some might think that. There are three names of James, three Jameses, and James comes after Jacob. It's kind of a transliteration or translation of Jacob. There's James, the son of Zebedee, the brother of John the more famous of the Jameses, and uh, James and John, the more famous disciples or apostles. Then there is James, the Lord's stepbrother, as I mentioned before. And this James, the Lord's stepbrother, half-brother, did not get saved until after Christ rose from the grave. He had half-brothers and sisters that did not believe on him. And then there is this James, the son of Alphaeus. His nickname was James the Less. Not sure exactly why they called him James the Less, but it could have been because that word less literally does mean small, and maybe he was just, you know, like Tiny Tim, only it was Tiny James. James may have been called that because of his stature, because of his lack of height, kind of like a Zacchaeus, James the Less. Or it could have just been because of his position or both because he was certainly the lesser of the two Jameses as far as, you know, position and speech. And, you know, he wasn't called a son of thunder. He wasn't prominent like the other. Now, concerning his family, we make make some connections here. So you go to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27 and verse 55 and many women were there, beholding afar off at the cross, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. So we see that there is a lady named Mary who is the mother of James. Again, we read Mark 15, and then we'll go to John chapter 19. Mark 15 And verse 40, I know we were there once, let's just look at it again. Mark 15 (coughs) and verse 40. There were also women looking on afar off, among whom was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, the less, and Joseph and Salome. Also the same Mary that's mentioned in chapter 16, verse 1. Then we go to John chapter number 19. John chapter 19. Now, as I've said before, I wish there weren't so many Jameses, and I wish there wasn't so many Judases, and my goodness, there's a lot of Marys. But it was just the popular name, and that's just the way it is. But this one might be a little bit more baffling to us and, and certainly makes it a little harder to understand. But John chapter 19 and verse number 25. Now, there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. Now, what was Jesus' mother's name? Good, I was hoping you'd get that right. Now, there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. Now, I don't know why Mary has a sister named Mary. But that's what it says. I don't know if it's because they were, you know, a half-brother and sister, and maybe, you know, there was a Mary here and a Mary there, and then because of marriage, there's two Marys in the same family. Or maybe they just really like Mary. But literally, in that verse, there's three Marys standing there. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus, There's Mary, the sister of the mother of Jesus, and then there's Mary Magdalene. No wonder it's hard to keep them all straight. But I think what you get here is you understand that James the Less's mother's name was Mary. And if James the Less's mother's name was Mary and she was the sister to Mary, the mother of Jesus, that means that James the Less was a cousin of Jesus. And that Mary, the mother of Jesus, would have been his aunt. And apparently, according to John nineteen twenty five, his father's name was not just Alphaeus, but also you could call him Cleophas. He, he was known as Cleophas or Alphaeus. Are we getting more confused? Sorry. But what's interesting about that is, if you go to Luke chapter 24, in Luke chapter 24, the Bible says that there were two disciples. Now remember, you can be a disciple and not an apostle. Of the disciples, he chose 12 apostles. All the apostles would have been disciples that he chose from. But there were many disciples, many followers of Jesus, but of them he chose 12. So in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13, we have this story of the road to Emmaus. And behold, two of them, two disciples that same day, Went to a village that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all things which had happened, the death, burial, and the rumor of a resurrection. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas. So, is this the same Cleopas that was the husband to Mary, the mother of Mary, or excuse me, the sister of Mary, who was James's mother, James the less? So it could have been that James the less's father was Cleopas, or or Alphaeus, his mother Mary, and I'm just guessing that maybe it was Cleopas and Mary that are walking on the road to Emmaus. It wasn't one of the twelve. We know it wasn't one of the twelve walking on the road, but these other people, one of them named Cleopas, is walking the road and they don't recognize Jesus. He's risen from the grave. For some reason, they're just blind to the fact that this is Jesus risen again. But later in the chapter, when he reveals himself to them and he breaks bread with them, and all of a sudden, wow, it's him. And then, of course, he vanishes out of their sight. They run all the way back, all the way back from Emmaus, all the way back to Jerusalem to tell the eleven that they had seen Christ. And, of course, then he appeared right when they were telling them. Interesting side note. Now, could it also be that James not only was the brother of Judas, and Judas not Iscariot, that is, but possibly he, if Alphaeus really does mean Alphaeus, as if that is his father's other name, and maybe Alphaeus was just a title, I don't know, then James, the less, would have been brother to Matthew. Because... We read in Matthew 10, verse 3, that James is not only James the Less, but he's also James the son of Alphaeus. But then in Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2 and verse 14. Anybody know the other name of Matthew? <coughs> Levi. And so Mark chapter 2 and verse 14. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, follow me. So Matthew's father's name, or son of Alphaeus, I, I don't think we're supposed to know it all, and I would love to sit down with all the 11 and say, okay, str- all right, draw me a family tree and straighten this out for me. How, you know, how does this all work? And we're, Look, the point is this, is the focus is on Christ, not the apostles necessarily. We don't worship saints, as other religions do, but we certainly have opportunity to study these names and understand something. You say, well, Pastor, you said we we're going to study the greatest apostle. Well, technically we are. The Baptist motto, and you can see this in John chapter 3, John chapter 3 and verse 30, the first Baptist that I can find in the Bible is John the Baptist. And John 3 and verse 30, John was sent to prepare the way of the Lord and to prepare a people for the Lord, and he did just that. He prepared disciples, and from those disciples who got saved, gotten baptized, Jesus selected 12, and we know from Acts chapter number 1 and verse 22 that that they were to be baptized by John the Baptist, and so when they replaced Judas, they replaced him with someone who had been baptized by John the Baptist. So John was sent to prepare a way and prepare a people for the Lord, but in John chapter 3 and verse 30, John said this, he must increase and I must decrease. That is the motto of the disciple of Christ. That should be the Baptist motto. You see, the purpose of John the Baptist was to fulfill his course. In Acts chapter 13, this is what it says about John the Baptist. Acts 13 and verse 25. Acts 13 25 and as John fulfilled his course he said whom think ye that I am I am not he but behold there cometh one after me whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose John the Baptist gave way to Christ somebody's phone is buzzing just ignore it eventually those people will stop John the Baptist gave way to Christ and fulfilled his course that's what you're supposed to do that's what I'm supposed to do he must increase, I must decrease. Who's supposed to increase? Jesus. Who's supposed to get bigger? Jesus. Who's supposed to get smaller? You and I. That's to be our our mission. We are to make him look good, not ourselves look good. Colossians chapter number one. Colossians chapter one and verse 18. Colossians <clears> 1.18 <throat> It says, he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. This is not happening today. I was not directly involved, I'm thankful to say, but I was aware of even some Baptist pastors who had become like a god, who had become put up on a pedestal, and uh, to the point where people would stand and cheer. The preacher would walk in and people, you know, and give them an, a standing applause, you know, an ovation or whatever. And all he did was walk in. And then they'd have contests. Who can bring the most people to church and who can get the most people saved? And if you can get this many people saved, you, you guys, if you run a, like a bus and you get this many people saved, I'm not sure how you can make sure they're really saved. I mean, you can count numbers. We'll, we'll have one of Pastor Dr. So-and-so suits retailer to fit you and you can wear it. It's just weird stuff, man. What happened is is they forgot to let him increase and making a pope out of a pastor. I don't know about you, but there's just something wrong about these mega churches and these mega church pastors. There's just no way. Now, if Jesus is the one that's really increasing, that's a good thing. But we're living in a day where People are man worshipers. That's why the Antichrist will be coming on the scene because we like to have celebrities. We like to worship people. Now, Jesus did say that there was no one greater than John the Baptist. But John said, he must increase and I must decrease. This is the opposite of how people think. Here's how people think. Proverbs chapter 20, Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6. This is all just a little bit of introduction and, and opening for James the less. Proverbs 20 and verse 6. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. You know, after a while, it's hard to believe all the stories of, of people when every time they tell a story, they are the hero. A faithful man isn't always successful. He doesn't always have something to share that's wonderful. Missionary letters aren't always great news. (coughs) Pastors don't always (coughs) have a great week or have a great message necessarily or do great. And yet most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness and just look around. That's what you see. Gone are the days of a humble leader and a humble spirit. And yet this guy that was part of the 12 was called James the less. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. Romans 12 and verse 3 says it this way. Romans twelve three, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Peter was never Peter the less. Peter was always in, Peter always had the best ideas. Just ask him. Peter always knew what's supposed to happen. Just ask him. Now, you you, you love Peter, you love his personality, but at times I'm sure it was obnoxious. And I'm sure... That after Jesus and Peter came back into the boat, when Peter sunk, I'm sure there was some going, you know, like, yeah, asked for that one, you know. But James the less probably didn't even think to do that. He just always kind of let everyone else go first. I, I, I certainly don't deserve to be in the front seat. Go ahead. He's James the less. So, Pastor, why are you saying that he's the greatest of the apostles? Well, because Luke chapter 9 says this. Luke chapter 9 says, starting in verse 46, Then there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be the greatest (laughs) of the twelve? They're arguing. And, of course, James and John, you know, uh, their mother even said, Can they sit next to you on the throne in heaven? Uh, You can appreciate their zeal, but a little selfish and self-centered I think. So there were also reasoning among them which of them should be the greatest. And Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart took a child and set him by him. And he said unto them, whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all the same shall be great. So I guess James the less was the greatest. I said that you don't ever read anything that James said. Here's what I can also tell you. You never read anything stupid that James said. I know James talked. I know he wasn't dumb. And I also know that he was faithful. You know James along with the others in verse 1 of Luke 9 personally experienced the great power of god god he gave them power and sent them out james was one of those in first corinthians chapter 15 and verse 7 it's the resurrection chapter and it says in 1 corinthians 15 7 that jesus appeared to james and to all the apostles and appeared to him that he rose from the grave. remember those two on the road to emmaus if that was his parents boom he had an inside track to the fact that jesus was alive And he personally witnessed the resurrected body of Christ. In Acts chapter 1 verse 2 it says that they all, and that would include James the less, personally received the great commandments from the Lord. Acts chapter 2 verse 14 verse 37, chapter 4 verse 33 in Acts. We see that they personally, all of them including James the less, were involved in the great moving of God in the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people got saved at one time. And amazing things were happening and people were getting saved by the hundreds and the thousands. He was personally involved with that great church in Acts chapter 2. He was one of those apostles that was there. Not Judas Iscariot, but he and the others. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5, in several places in Acts chapter 5, that the apostles suffered great persecution and were thrown in prison and were persecuted greatly. And James would have been part of that as well. And the Bible says in Revelation 18 and verse 20 that one day all the apostles will rejoice over the destruction of Babylon. They will rejoice over the fact that she's finally destroyed. And in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 14, the Bible says that the 12, including James the Less, will have their names etched into the foundations of the great city of God. Not bad for being an unknown person, huh? Not bad for being someone that was known as James the Less. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm sure Peter. Be, just being Peter's personality, I'm sure Peter was like, "Oh, let make James get in the backseat." You're James the Less. I got this, James. Don't bother. We tend to think, as humans do, of personalities with that get more attention and hog more attention and have more self. Centeredness, we tend to think of them. And yet, Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 11, concerning this subject, He said, Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least, it's the same word as James the less, least and less, same Greek word there. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. And so, I just say that. James the Less was obviously one of the great ones because he was less. God uses little things. God likes to use little things. Let me show you some things. We know that (coughs) Gideon wasn't perfect, but in Judges chapter six—excuse me, Judges chapter six, Judges chapter six, and verse fifteen. And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Gideon is being told by this angel, you're going to save Israel. Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Remember, David was the youngest of the brothers, and he was the small one compared to the giant, Goliath. Saul, King Saul, at one time was least. He even said oh why would you why would you focus on me, who am least of all my father's family first Samuel nine <clears throat> Zechariah verse chapter four verse ten says, Don't despise the day of small things wouldn't it be just ironic and funny <coughs> to look down from heaven thirty years from now, some of us will be in heaven thirty years from now, and to look down and see." I don't know. Harley playing the piano. To see Wesley up here leading the songs. <clears throat> to see Nicole and her husband, the pastor. Little as much when God is in it. Don't despise the small things, don't despise the day of small things. Don't assume that because it's small, it's not important. I I mentioned this this morning, but let's look at it again in Matthew chapter 2. This has to do with Christmas. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 6. When the wise men came, they pulled out Micah chapter 5-2. And this is what they read in Matthew 2 verse 6. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah? Aren't you the least of all the cities in Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. God loves little things. God pays attention to the little things. In fact, listen to this. It is godly to pay attention to the little things. Little details are important. Go with me to Luke 16. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 and verse 9, it says, And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Well, I wish God would let me run something big and handle something big and manage something big. God sees what you're doing with the little stuff, and he's saying, no, I ain't going to do that. Well, I, I, I would come more often if I could be a Sunday school teacher. Eh, it don't work that way. That's not how it works. David was taking care of sheep on the backside of the desert, and God said, that's the one I want because he's willing to die for sheep. He's willing to wrestle a lion and a bear for sheep. God's concerned with small details. See, he that is faithful which in that which is least, verse 10, is faithful also in much. If you can be trusted with small details, with little jobs that aren't important, there is no such thing as a little job that's not important. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Who will commit to your trust the true riches? I joke about it, but I am serious, and I still we we got two guys living in our home. They're adults, but we're always coming. Hey, you need to make your bed. You need to clean your room. I keep telling Lexi, you have no idea what you're getting into. Quite a while ago, someone came to me and said, Pastor. I know so-and-so needs a place to stay, and I've got a place they could stay, and I wouldn't even charge them any rent. But I looked in the window of their vehicle, and it was a disaster, and I don't want my house to look like that, so I'm not going to offer them my place. You mean if they'd have just kept their car clean, they could have got free rent, take care I, had, I couldn't blame that person at all. I hear you. God looks down and says, are you faithful in the little things? If you have a job to do, how do you do it? James the less wasn't less in God's eyes. He was one of the twelve. His mother was obviously active. She was close to Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was there at the foot of the cross. Her husband, Cleopas, they were some of God's close associates. And I don't know where James is in heaven and where what street he lives on, but he isn't James the less today. Learn to take care of the small details. Learn to recognize that no matter how less you are, you're still important. And if you want to be better. Years ago, uh, someone was telling me about a pastor who never changed his oil. He never changed his oil. He said, I got an oil leak. I figure it just leaks out. I keep putting oil, oil in. No, don't need to change it. It'll just change itself. Listen. You need to take care... You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I have the most junkiest piece of junk car or house that there is. But if you'll take care of it to the best of your ability, if you'll clean it and you'll wash it and you'll do the best with what you have, you'll not always have the junk. That's just a fact. If you'll work on the details and you say... It doesn't matter how small it is. I'm going to do a good job with it. I remember one time we had an evangelist family out here, and they had this little RV that they stayed in, and they were going to be there for maybe a week or two. And I looked out, and there was there was their RV parked there with the little tongue sticking out. It was just a bumper pull, and there, there were flowers on, on the tongue. And there was a nice little carpet out front. And what they were doing is they were just making it as nice as they could make it. It's their little home. Their attitude, well, "Well, I just got a little bumper pull trailer, so I'm not going to take care of it. And and then if everything falls apart, I'm going to ask churches to give me more money and buy me a new one. No, they're just going to take care of what they have. And you know what? I have no problem helping people like that when they do have a problem because I know they're going to take care of what they have. It's hard for me to give to people that I know aren't taking care of what they have. How about you? God pays attention to little things. Just today, I heard someone's door open. <laughs> Sounded like they were trying to cut steel. I was like, man, somebody needs to oil the hinges on their door before it falls off. Our sons had this blue kazoo. Caleb and Hannah started with it. They passed it on to their brother brothers. And the thing had a muffler that was not a muffler and it was just getting louder and louder and you could hear them i mean you could hear them leave the house you could hear them go down the road you could you could hear when they accelerated out on the highway and started speeding up you could hear them all the way down to the stoplight two miles away finally it just fell off right in the driveway muffler just plopped right in the driveway I didn't really know how much it was going to cost, but it was not that much. It was like 100 bucks. like, why didn't we do this a long time ago? But they were cheap. They didn't want to fix anything. They knew that thing wasn't worth a whole lot, but finally, they took it down to where Sam now works and asked if you guys could put on a new muffler. And amazingly, it was only going to be 100 bucks. And while it was being worked on, one of our neighbors walked into the shop and said, Oh, thank goodness. And I thought, man, that wasn't good. We should have taken care of that a long time ago. Even though it's a piece of junk car, we ought not drive around with the loudest, most obnoxious car in town. It's called taking care of the little things. And, and I, I just know this as a fact. Sooner or later, somebody who sees that, somebody who recognizes that you consider little is important, And even if everyone else considers you to be not very important because you're little, but you take care of little, that's appreciated. And it's funny how when you appreciate things, they appreciate. God's concerned with small details. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful. I can trust him with big things because I could trust him with little things. And he that I can't trust with little things, I can't trust him with big things. He that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Then notice this. God gives important jobs to the most insignificant church members. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears> 1 <throat> Corinthians 12. <clears throat> well, sorry, verse six, chapter 6 and then chapter 12. Let's go to chapter 6 first. Sorry about that. Chapter 6, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 4, and then I'll go to chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 1 through 4. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? If ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge which are least esteemed in the church, and let them decide what should be done. That's interesting. And then chapter 12. Chapter 12, starting in verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? And if the whole were a hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the bodies that have pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee nor yet again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble, less, are really necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. I do mean this. There are people in probably every church, and I know in this church, that might seem to be less, but they're very important. Years ago, Miss, Mrs. Adams passed away. In the hospital while she was dying of pancreatic cancer, Something Bob said, I never forgot, never knew it before, and never forgot it since. He said, you know the pancreas is only about this size right here. It's about the size of your thumb. The whole rest of the body can be healthy, but if that little piece right there isn't, you're going to die. Every body part is important. Not just the ones we see. I'm concerned always. It hardly ever does everybody come to church the same Sunday. Hardly ever is there a week where everybody's there and everybody's doing right. and Everything's going right. And I'm always concerned. Yeah, but I didn't even notice them. Why? Well, they don't have a part. Yes, they do. They might seem less, but they're not. They're very much a vital part. God uses the less. God pays attention to the small. And they might seem to be less honorable, but they need to be honored and recognized, and it's important, and it's appreciated, and it's wonderful, and it makes up the body. And someone today brought in a neighbor. Praise the Lord for people who might not ever get up and speak or might not ever be noticed in some way, but God uses them in great ways. Don't ever, ever assume that you're better. Isn't it just ironic that that any of them, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. I don't know for sure, but I got a feeling that James the less was back there saying, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm the less. And I think Jesus turned around and said, the least of you is the greatest. He didn't say James' name, but he is James the Less. How many Hollywood movies or Christian movies do you see out there with a short, bald guy as the hero? Why is Jesus the tallest one? It says in the Bible, there was no beauty that we should desire him. but we think that way i mean everybody that's a hero needs to look like charlton heston you know no it's not how it really works and probably james was the less in a lot of ways that doesn't mean he was with god and so that's an unusual person to study but remember this and I'm going to ask you to turn in your hymnal to 846 and we're going to sing it little is much when God is in it 846